1: your
0: championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley and it's time for our weekly chat about what's going on with the Atlanta Braves. An action-packed, newsworthy week that it was with plenty of highs and also some lows. For the Braves, Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution will join me as we go through all of those. But before we get started, let me let you know you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please leave those ratings and reviews. If you like the show, be sure to share it with a friend. That helps out big time. You can follow me on Twitter at Grant McCauley. You can find the show at From the Diamond underscore. On Instagram, I'm at Grant McCauley there. And the show is at from the diamond and if you want to get every episode of the show as well as articles and videos and all the other content i have from the it's a place to find that so to dive into the week that was for the atlanta braves maybe look ahead just a little bit I want to welcome gabe burns into the show he of course covers the braves for the atlanta journal constitution you can follow him on twitter at gabe burns ajc gabe we had kind of a crazy up and down week for the braves but it ended on a high note most certainly and i think they're really excited about coming home and playing in front of a full house here in 2021, 100% capacity at Truist Park. It's going to be quite the weekend, quite the homestand I think coming up.
1: It will be. You know, that road trip was weird. It got off to a terrible start, and they did literally the best thing you could do to rebound. So (laughs) uh, once again, that kind of sums up the way the season's been for them. A lot of low lows, a lot of high highs, and You know, they're 15 and 16 and coming back home to host a full stadium.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you look at it. I call it a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde road trip for the Atlanta Braves because they went down to Dunedin, not Toronto. They went down to Florida to play the Blue Jays, and they got beat up in what kind of felt like a little bit like some bad spring training games. And they didn't look particularly good in any of them, except maybe the first one where they did score some runs. But then a couple of bad losses, then they proceed to Flip the switch, come up to Washington, win some close games against the Nationals, some well-pitched games, I think, and some really interesting things happened in that series that we're going to dive into here. But I think you're right. I mean, there have been a lot of lows that I would definitely double up and call them low lows and a lot of high highs for this club. It's a little bit strange. They haven't really hit their stride yet, but there's a lot worse places you could be the first week of May than one game under 500.
1: Exactly. You know, you could be Detroit and you're, what, 9 and 23 or whatever they are (laughs) and you're I mean, not that they expected to do anything, but your season's already, you know where this is headed. So uh, we knew that this team was going to be in the thick of the race all summer. That was their expectation. We know what the talent is. So for them to have had the adversity that they have had sitting in this spot is certainly not the worst thing.
0: No, not at all. I kind of look at that American League Central and you do see the Tigers, who you don't really expect to be much of a player in there. But say a team like the Minnesota Twins, that's had a, a really rough start to their season couple of things they would have loved to have seen were of course byron buxton becoming a next level player well he's done that but seemingly everything else has been going wrong for the minnesota twins this year they're eight games under 500 heading into the weekend not that they don't have a lot of baseball left to play in order to climb back into that al central race but if i got a choice of being what 15 and 16 or 11 and 19 after about five weeks of play i think i'll take where the braves are right now they have a chance to get things right when it comes to may be playing better than 500 ball at home and, of course, better than 500 ball on the season. And as we've talked about on the show the past few weeks, there's not much separation between the top of the National League East and the bottom of the National League East. It's two and a half games from the Phillies to the Nationals right now, and the Braves find themselves right smack in the middle. Game and a half out of first place heading into the weekend. Again, they could do worse. Could
1: be a lot worse. You know, we talked some about the division last week. It's going to be competitive. Uh, It's going to be close throughout. That's what they expect. And, uh, you know, like we touched on before, some of these teams who might wind up falling out of it, and who knows, maybe none of them do, but if you're looking at like Miami and Miami starts to drop off, that's certainly a team that can play spoiler. But for right now, this division is certainly not living up to the hype as far as the win-loss record, but uh, competitively speaking, it, it's right there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll dive in a little bit more to the standings of the National League or maybe just what's ahead for the Atlanta Braves as they begin a home stand. Again, coming home to Truist Park to open things up this weekend and spend a little bit more time at home after a week that was a little bit strange. And when we talk about the low lows of that road trip, the big loss, I would say, is Travis Darnot. He tore a ligament in his thumb, underwent surgery. He's out for the next couple of months. Alex Jackson came in pressed into duty then strained a hamstring also landed on the injured list but you knew the Braves were going to have to make some kind of moves behind the plate didn't expect it to be two at once though but that's exactly what it was top prospect William Contreras is now Atlanta's starting catcher and longtime major league veteran backup Jeff Mathis is going to be the number two catcher for the Braves at least in the short term but Gabe I don't think there's any two ways around this losing Darno is a big blow both behind the plate and of course in the lineup once he gets going which we were hoping to see Now we don't have either of those things when it comes to Darno, but a big opportunity for Contreras to step into this starting role. He's a really intriguing player, and I feel like he's come a long way the past couple of years to really strengthen his stock as the potential catcher of the future for this club, and the future may be right now.
1: Yeah, well, losing Darno is a huge blow, and you just touched on that. I will say it's a great opportunity for Contreras in unfortunate circumstances, but for the Braves too, I mean – that's a really important thing. Is this guy going to be ready to really handle the load? Right now, obviously, but next year mm-hmm. moving forward, uh, Travis is a free agent. Yeah. So they're really, they catching situation. They have Langoliers and they have Contreras as two guys that they think can be starting caliber catchers for the future here. Alex Jackson, call a spade a spade. He's just kind of a low upside backup. Sure. So this is a huge opportunity for Contreras because it could certainly cement his spot on the 2022 roster, be it if he's splitting time with Travis, if he's handling the load. But the Braves are focused on this year, trying to get this thing turned around and trying to get back into the conversation and win an NL pennant. What we've seen from him so far, they have to feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't remember seeing, you know, I asked Max Fried about this the other night, a, a catcher that's this athletic. Yeah. The, the strides that he's made, especially in these last two years, and he's a really mature kid. Everybody loves him. The the bat is there. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's going to perform like this, and of course he's going to hit bumps in the road like everyone does, but if he's going to generally just perform well like this, it's not going to be as huge of a loss as it looked like in the moment, and that's really a testament to Contreras. That's a testament to his talent, and it certainly would have the Braves in a great position, uh, not just this season but going forward.
0: It's really nice to have a talented prospect like this who can be your plan B rather than having to, you know, scrounge around and maybe find somebody that was about to start the year in AAA or an unsigned catcher who had been cut loose in spring training and was still looking for work and then throw them directly into being the starting catcher for the club. The Braves are fortunate in that regard. And Contreras got a little bit of a test last year when Atlanta lost both Travis Darnot and Tyler Flowers to the COVID protocol. They had a little scare at the start of the year and we remember it was Contreras and Alex Jackson who had to kind of bridge that gap for about a week or so but now we're looking at a situation where this is a much different opportunity this is not hey get us through this week and we'll see where we go from there this is Travis Darno on the 60-day injured list so he won't be back ostensibly until the beginning of July at the earliest we'll see how long it takes him to rehab from the thumb surgery that he's already had then you have Jeff Mathis come in who had kind of just been a, a depth signing by the Braves back in the spring Just to add somebody that has some experience, it's good to have those guys. A third note to throw in here, of course, is that Tyler Flowers, who had been working with the club in an advisory capacity, had still been working out at his home and staying kind of in baseball shape. He has now signed a contract, but he's going to be weeks away from jumping in and helping the Braves out in any way at the major league level either. So I guess to bring it all the way back to Contreras with all the pieces now on the board, both the ones that I guess we've lost, which are off the board, and the pieces that are now in their place, I've loved what I've seen from Contreras in terms of revamping his swing but it's important to remember this is a guy that has 60 games played above the a ball level in his minor league career he's played a handful of games in the big leagues here but the lights certainly don't seem too bright for him and with the revamped swing I really feel like there's an awful lot of upside there and he's going to have a nice extended run to really show what he can do and I think if you're a Braves fan or the Atlanta Braves themselves, you have to be kind of excited about that, even if it's, as you pointed out, Gabe, in the worst of circumstances.
1: You made a good point there with Contreras. I mean, how many teams can lose a silver slugger catcher and then just turn to a talent like this? Yeah, not many. Uh, you know, catching is just, you know, teams are desperate for it, basically, and, and for the Braves to have a guy like that who, you know, they wanted him playing every day in AAA. Now he's getting the chance mm-hmm. here, and so far he's making the most of it. I mean, obviously he's... a uh, future potential all-star level talent when you watch him. So for them to have lost Darno and to bring up a guy like that, it's just the depth and the general talent that this organization has. It's still there. All these guys are graduating, but they still have these upper tier guys too. And so you have Jeff Mathis. You want that kind of veteran presence there with him. Tyler Flowers, you assume, will eventually work his way back up. We all know at this point what he provides. We mm-hmm. know what he is. And that should help Contreras as well. And he does have familiarity with them too. So, so that should help as well. I think that, you know, again, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but they've really put Contreras in a position to succeed. I, I think letting him just roll letting him figure this out and putting the right people around him I just think that everything there is they're they're doing everything they can to ensure that he succeeds the best he can at this stage
0: yeah 17th year for Jeff Mathis when it comes to his big league career now that he's actually jumped in behind the plate for the Braves and caught a game most of his time was over in the American League I think early on then he's kind of spent a good amount of time in the National League as well but we kind of we know what Jeff Mathis is he's a veteran backup catcher he's a guy that can I think make pitchers better in all of the work that he does say between starts or in bullpens and then you ask him to catch once or twice a week and I don't think that's asking too much whatsoever but bringing in Tyler Flowers I think to your point it's a safety net the Braves know what they have there and I think from a framing perspective a game calling perspective just the mental side of it I know you've had a chance just like I have to talk to Tyler Flowers over the past few years that he's been with the Braves he's a great baseball mind I mean it's fun to talk baseball with Tyler Flowers and I know that that doesn't necessarily mean Oh well this makes him the best player in the world but as far as guys with an aptitude for the game Tyler Flowers for me is way up there.
1: Yeah, no, he's really insightful. Again, he's really analytical. He's done this for a really long time. He's worked with some high-level pitchers. Mm-hmm. Uh he's been in so he's been in plenty of big games. I think just having him back and again the familiarity with Contreras too. Obviously he worked with him in spring training and whatnot. So I just think that all of that will will certainly benefit Contreras and uh, help the Braves because, again, at this point, you know, you're you're making Tyler Flowers your backup catcher Mm -hmm. again. I mean, that's just a familiar insurance policy. It is.
0: It's really funny, too, to think about Tyler Flowers, the prospect, when the Braves traded him away to the White Sox way back in the day when they got Javier Vasquez for – it ended up being just one year. But they kind of weren't really sold on Tyler Flowers as a catcher They really thought he was going to be a bat first prospect so maybe he ends up at first base or DHing somewhere seemed like it made a ton of sense to trade him to an American League team but by just pure work ethic and the wanting to do it he made himself into a really good major league catcher and thus has had a nice lengthy big league career has Tyler Flowers and we'll see what he's able to offer the Braves when that time comes but either way it's a lot of change behind the plate which I think can be a a good thing for a pitching staff if you're giving opportunity and the partnerships are there and it works, which I think that it can in this case, or it could maybe upset the apple cart. But in the early going, I think the Braves pitching staff has kind of been struggling to find its footing as well. So maybe a little bit of a different voice in terms of Contreras learning on the job, having a Jeff Mathis around, having a Tyler Flowers around. It'll have a steadying effect so that you don't feel the full effects to kind of what you were talking about earlier of a team losing its starting catcher like Darno, and now having to scramble to find a replacement I think the Braves are in a pretty good spot as far as that is concerned so lots going on behind the plate also lots going on on the mound recently Gabe and I think we're apparently at the point where every week on the show we're going to have to ask ourselves what amazing thing did Waskar Enoa do this week he's been great on the mound he's been great at the plate another quality start against Washington great start and a grand slam home run, becoming the first Braves pitcher ever to homer in consecutive starts. I know it's early, but I don't think it's any stretch whatsoever to call Waskar Inoa the MVP of the Braves pitching staff so far this season.
1: No doubt. He's got the rookie of the year campaign in full swing, both in pitching and hitting, I guess. But it's been great for him. Every week we get on here and we talk about the latest thing that he's done, and he just continues to amaze. And I think he's got, what, he needs uh, eight more homers to catch Otani right now?
0: <laughs> it's the American League's Waskari Noah. That's what I'm going to
1: call it. It, Exactly, exactly. So uh, maybe Snitt will have to get a Noah you know, uh, in the lineup <laughs> playing left field or something, right. figure that one out. But, no, it, it's great. He's really helped the Braves at a time that they needed it. So, I mean, good for him, good for the team, and it looks like they might have really found something here in a 22-year-old that mm-hmm. just continues to get better and is really aggressive not afraid at all just continues to attack the zone it just seems like they've really got something
0: and not only has he been a hard thrower which we already knew about him but this is a guy that the walks were a little bit of a a problem for him in the brief time that we saw him in 2020 walks have not been a problem for him this year he's averaging almost five strikeouts to walks he's only walking 2.1 batters per nine he's striking out 10 batters per nine era below two and a half now after his latest outing against washington I mean, he has really put together the most consistent run by a Braves starting pitcher thanks to, I think, injury and some underperformance as well. Ian Anderson, I think, has shown signs of that. We're going to talk a little bit more about Max Fried in a moment and what we're hoping to see from him. And obviously, the Braves would love to get Mike Soroka back with an extended amount of time for Mike to contribute to the club as well this year. But at this point, and I know we've talked about this the last few weeks, I think going all the way back to spring training, I think our conversation was the Braves need to find a role for Waskar Enoa. He's got a role to play somewhere. They need to find a place for him. Well, the place kind of found him. They needed him to step into the starting role. He's taken this baton and run with it. So at this point, I don't think there's any way, if he keeps pitching anything close to what he's done thus far, that you're going to be moving Waskar Enoa out of your starting rotation. That's going to make for some very interesting choices for the Braves when that time comes.
1: It is. And like we said before, it'll be a good problem for them to have. You know, hopefully those guys stay healthy and they're going to have a they're just going to have a lot of depth mm-hmm. and they're going to have to figure out what to do with it. And by that time, you would think the team is uh, quite a bit over 500 and really in this race. So it'll, it'll be a good time to sort all that stuff out.
0: Yeah. And you has certainly been making his contribution to the Braves in the early going, kind of stabilizing what's been a rotation in flux once again, because of injury and underperformance. But as we talked about, you and what he's offered and a lot of it would just be kind of covering the same ground because it's just more of the same for him in the best way possible the Braves really wanted to get Max Fried back from the injured list and wanted to see that Max Fried that looked a lot more like the 2020 version than the guy who stumbled a little bit out of the gates didn't really ever seem like he was settling in and then had the hamstring injury running the bases that gave him a little bit of an opportunity to maybe reset recalibrate if you want to call it that five innings of one run ball against the Nationals six punch outs for Max Fried who helped the Braves win one of those games up in Washington I liked what I saw from Max Freed. I just want to see more of the same. And obviously, this is going to make the Braves rotation better to get him back at the front of that line.
1: Well, he said he felt like himself again. So it was promising. That's really all I can take away from it. Is sure. You want to see more of it, but for him to have come back and looked that way, for him to look comfortable, for him to be sounding as optimistic as he did after the game, I think those are all really good signs. And I think you're going to see much closer to the Max Freed that uh, Braves fans know and love here soon.
0: Yeah, and when you look at Freed, I think usage wise, it seemed like to me in the first start back, which is an incredibly small sample size, admittedly, seemed like he was much more comfortable throwing the curveball. I thought he kind of stayed away from that pitch in his first few outings, but when when it's right, I mean, this is one of the best curveballs in baseball,
1: no doubt. It's I mean. It's largely why he was in the Cy Young conversation last year. It's what made him. I mean, it's what made him so highly regarded as a prospect too. Um, so it's it's certainly it's a fun pitch to watch
0: it definitely is and he was spending quite a few of them at the washington nationals but for freed it's going to be about building up his arm strength again 72 pitches in his recent start against washington picking up the win four hits one of them a homer just one walk six strikeouts i think we've said this before kind of jokingly but i'm more or less serious about it i can live with you giving up a solo home run or two it's limiting those base runners and freed was able to do that much better in this first start back than any of his starts since way back on opening day against the philadelphia phillies so promising return for Max Freed he'll probably continue to build up that pitch count a little bit over the next couple of starts and then hopefully all those restrictions will just be lifted and he can go back to being the Max Fried that he was back in 2020 another Braves lefty we wanted to see something good out of lately was Drew Smiley after a forgettable start against the Blue Jays he was able to keep the Nationals under wraps for six innings of one run ball to help the Braves complete their sweep Gabe if we can get Smiley to keep throwing like this the Atlanta rotation all of a sudden is going to get another lift and it really helps to have another lefty be part of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, he needed that. He had been under some criticism uh rightfully. So, you know, he hadn't sure. pitched well, uh, he had the injury. So for him to, you know, finally come through with something like that, that's the first time the Braves have won one of his starts. It, you know, he needed it. It was good to see out of him. And, and you're right. If, if he can kind of get this ship righted and even be, you know, a, just a steady back end of the rotation guy, that would just be enormous for this team. And, again, we continue to talk about the potential rotation depth. We haven't really seen it because guys have been hurt or, Mm -hmm. you know, Smiley's been struggling or whatever, but the potential rotation depth here is what can really separate this team.
0: Most definitely. And that was what you signed Drew Smiley for was rotation depth. I think our question, even going back to last week, was did you really need to spend $11 million on rotation depth? And if so, why was it just this one guy? But the Braves saw something they liked there. Alex Anthopoulos did. And as I look back over Smiley in the in the first month or so he's been with the Braves, it's kind of hard to figure exactly what wasn't going right, but home runs were a big problem for him in the early going. Nine home runs allowed in his first four starts, including three of those in each of the prior two before facing the Nationals. He got bombed by Arizona in that doubleheader game, and then he really got beat up a bit by the Toronto Blue Jays down in Dunedin on the road trip. Uh, did you notice anything about his most recent start that just seemed to be maybe an adjustment or can we give this a little bit of credit perhaps to a guy like Jeff Mathis being behind the plate that just might have put down the right signals for
1: him? Well, I do think Mathis helped. You know, Mathis was a little familiar with him from when they played together in Texas. And, and he said last night that Cranny and Smiley seemed to have found some things during the bullpens that might have really helped him. And I mean, he certainly, you know, eye test wise, he looked better. It still was not he issued four walks. It's not like it was still a super crisp outing, mm-hmm. but it was much better than what we have seen. And, and you know, keeping the ball in the park is obviously quite important. So good for him. Yeah, I, I think the Braves had a stat by the way. I mean, we don't really care about pitcher wins on this podcast, but that was his sure. first like pitcher win since September seventeenth, twenty nineteen. Wow, which is pretty crazy. He he hadn't gotten a he hadn't won a decision that long, but you know, good for him, I guess.
0: No, you'd like to have. I'd much rather see a pitcher piling up wins than a pitcher who's you know racking up losses. But overall, with Smiley, I mean, he did have the four walks, and one of them was intentional. I was a little curious as to why he went out to start the seventh inning with a high pitch count. That's when the fourth walk came along, and then he was out. Luke Jackson was in, but I guess one more lefty lefty matchup, trying to squeeze one more batter out of him, was what Brian Snitker was thinking there. But I would, you know, love to. And as it happens, it worked out this way. I wanted Drew Smiley to come out of that start feeling as good as possible. After coming out of his start against Toronto, b- being very hard on himself, and as you said, justifiably so, for just not keeping the team in the game, he did a great job of that on Thursday against Washington.
1: And that's what they need from him. You know, he's not going to be a dominant guy. I mean, when you're back into the rotation, they just need someone who can just keep them in it. You assume the offense is really going to get rolling. And then Smiley will be a great fourth, fifth guy, uh, depending on how things are rolling. So that, that's exactly what they're going to need out of him. And you can debate. You know, should they have paid him $11 million for that? But, I mean, that's money that's already been spent. This is where we are, and that's what they need
0: out of it. And you want to see more good starts than bad because the money is already invested. So, you know, Drew Smiley figuring it out is not only in the best interest of Drew Smiley, it's in the best interest of the Atlanta Braves as well. So we'll continue to monitor him. Hopefully he can build off what was a good start his last time out against Washington when his next turn comes up in the Braves rotation. But speaking of what they're getting out of the rotation and the effect that it can have, I think, Looking at the Atlanta bullpen, Gabe, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. It's It's been very inconsistent. They've been missing Chris Martin. We're hoping to get him back sometime sooner than later. He's on a rehab assignment right now. But it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is that's been ailing the Braves' bullpen. But if I had to circle one big thing that always puts stress on a bullpen, it's when the starting rotation can't consistently get through six innings. And I think that's been a problem for the Braves.
1: Yeah, uh, again, with the bullpen, I just... I want to see it with Chris Martin back. That, I mean, that is a big loss. He's yeah. been out, what, over a month now? Um, so that'll certainly help to get him back. You saw Will Smith. he's He's been better. And, mm-hmm. you know, last night he gives up that double to Zimmerman, and he, he that was it. And he settled in, and he and he got it done. So, yeah, I mean, Sean Newcomb, too. He comes back from the IL. Didn't look great. Yeah. He's, tr- he's trying to find himself in AAA. I actually – I feel pretty optimistic that he'll come back and he'll look good in that bullpen role. I really do think that that suits him. I think that he just kind of got thrown off there. So, I mean, overall, yeah, do you want, you know, the Jesse Biddles And, I mean, Nate Jones got off. But do you want those kind of guys there? No, but just given where this group is, I generally think they'll be okay because their best arms have kind of been there. And so when Chris Martin gets back, I want to see the group a little more, but I mm-hmm. do kind of feel optimistic about it, even if there are some concerns with that middle relief group.
0: It really puts some stress on AJ Minter and Tyler Matzak, and uh, you know Will Smith was going to be the guy getting the save opportunities this year, but missing their best right-handed reliever. And we talked about this some last week, and I think it'll you know be a thing until Chris Martin gets back and starts doing the things that you know he's there to do from the right side of things. It's been a little bit unbalanced as well. And that's thrown some opportunities the way of a guy like Luke Jackson, who had a a very surprising 2019 season in which he played a key role in helping the Braves stabilize their bullpen and told Alex Anthopoulos could trade for some reinforcements. But Luke Jackson really had a 2020 to forget. He didn't look at all like the pitcher he was in the 2019 season. And say what you like about him, maybe not wanting to be the first option that you have out in the biggest, highest leverage situations. But for the most part this year, when they've asked Luke Jackson to get him out of trouble... Even if it's been a little bit shaky at times, he's been able to get them out of trouble. And that's all you can ask for, I think, in a time when you don't have your best right-handed relief option, like a Chris Martin.
1: The reality is your bullpen's not going to be full of eight prime Kimbrels, right? No. So, I mean, to have a guy like Luke Jackson, a lot of, I mean, fans obviously don't like him. But he makes it more stressful than it needs to be a lot of the time. I get it. Yeah. But you're not going to have a ton of studs all in your bullpen. So to have him kind of doing what he can there, I mean, it's fine. Again, when Martin gets back, I think things will look better.
0: Yeah, it starts to normalize just a bit. And in case you're wondering why you feel like you're so stressed out when Luke Jackson pitches, he does have a very nice 1.64 ERA if you're into that sort of thing. It looks good at first glance. His fielding independent pitching, though, is 5.01. He's got a whip of about 1.5. And he's not striking as many guys out this year. But, Gabe, I have noticed he's gone to using his fastball a lot more. That's a pitch I felt like he got away from too much last year. You have to have that fastball to set off that slider. And that, I think, was something he just wasn't doing quite as well. So there's going to be changes in this Braves bullpen throughout the season. And that means there's going to be opportunities, whether that's by injury coming along, by a minor leaguer jumping in and perhaps being a surprise addition to the bullpen, or the good old-fashioned trade, which we've seen Alex Antopoulos do to strengthen his bullpen before. This may be another year where he's looking to do something like that. So Chris Martin's return is going to be a big thing for the Braves. He is out on that rehab assignment, pitched for Gwinnett on Thursday, and I think looked pretty good in that, and we'll see what he's able to do in his uh, next. He's got, what, two scheduled relief outings for Gwinnett, and then the Braves are going to make a decision, it sounded like to me.
1: Yeah, uh, he's going to pitch again Saturday, and then they'll they'll say they'll take it from there. So uh, the hope is that he'll be back next week.
0: Well, if the Braves can get Chris Martin back next week, that'll be a big step towards stabilizing their bullpen. There is some question, I think, in the lineup right now because we haven't seen everybody get going. Ronald Acuna Jr. has been a flat-out superstar. He's now tied for the Major League lead in home runs. He's leading the Major Leagues in runs scored. All of that looks great, but in the two spot, we thought that maybe switching Freddie Freeman back up there was going to be the start of great things for Freddie. He had a four-hit game against the Cubs before his old buddy Anthony Rizzo punched him out, but since then, it was a rough road trip for Freddie Freeman. He's one for 24 with eight strikeouts, really didn't look very much like Freddie Freeman swing-wise to me. He just didn't look really comfortable. Not sure what's going on with that. Maybe it's just one of those times where if this was happening in the third or fourth week of July and he had built up a lot of numbers, we wouldn't notice this quite as much. But I think, Gabe, this comes after a bit of a slow start this season. We just haven't seen Freddie Freeman get going yet.
1: Not a lot of one for 24 stretches for him. No. that's uh, I mean, it's been unfortunate. Obviously, he's looked frustrated. Uh, he hasn't looked like himself. The Braves gave him the day off. They still get that win. Hopefully that kind of, you know, that rest, that little mental break helps him. He comes back. They're going to be in, in front of a full stadium. So that's something that maybe can maybe energize him again now that he's had a quick break. The team is coming off three big wins there. And There's a lot of reasons that you could point to. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are pointing to the contract situation. All you can do is speculate there. But, I mean, certainly that's that's there. Um, Whenever he's been asked about it, he hasn't been overly thrilled to talk about it. So he said he didn't want the distraction of negotiations in season either. That is kind of a a cloud over him. Now, as far as how much is that really affecting the performance? I mean, none of us know, but it's been weird to see. And I, I think that he will get it turned around. That's not exactly a hot take. I think Freddie, I think the reigning NL MVP will be okay, but this stretch has been very unlike him. So, you know, Snit decides to give him that rest day, and, and we'll kind of see how he responds this weekend.
0: We will, because you know Freddie Freeman's not going to be out of the lineup for very long. If he had his way, I think he'd never be out of the lineup, and he's never made a secret about that. And I don't want to overly speculate with this when it comes to Freddie Freeman because it's it's hard to know what, if any, effect that contract negotiations or answering questions about contract negotiations is going to have on him. But I think you hit on an interesting point. He's clearly – This is not what he wants to be talking about. But the power's there. The walks are there. I don't think he's striking out overly much this year. It just hasn't been consistent Freddie Freeman level at bats with a lot of hard contact and a lot of results from that hard contact yet. And I don't know exactly what you can put your finger on there. I mean, he's had a lot going on in his personal life, of course. They welcome two new sons to the routine. So maybe he's getting a little less sleep. I don't know. But you have to think that Freddie Freeman's going to get right sooner than later because he's done it for too long to be questioning, you know, where is Freddie Freeman going to be by the time that the weather heats up? Freddie Freeman usually finds a way to get it going.
1: Yeah, I mean, long term, I'm not really worried about him at all. It's just obviously been a tough stretch for him, a very uh, unlike him type stretch, and that's going to get the story like the team has been struggling. They're a game under 500. The reigning NL MVP is just hasn't hit his stride at all, so it, it is a big story, but You know, if you're listening, you've probably followed Freddie for several seasons now, if not his entire career. And we just know, I mean, you just have confidence that he's going to get it fixed and that he'll be back to being his consistent self here um, down the stretch of the season and more than likely even earlier than that. But certainly right now, it's just been a tough stretch.
0: It has been a tough stretch. And I, I like to look inside the numbers and see if I can see any trends that would explain to me exactly what it was. Like I said, his home run rate, is in line with what it's been the last three years. His strikeout rate is actually right in between what it was in 2019 and 2020. His walk rate is in line with what it's been the last two years, actually in line with what it was last year. Uh, His exit velocity is the exact same. Average exit velocity as he had last year, hard hit percentage about the same. His line drive rate is down. His fly ball rate is up. So maybe it's just a a few more fly balls than normal for Freddie Freeman, And, you know, fly balls give fielders a little bit more time to get under them. Line drives, of course, tend to uh, maybe find a gap and roll for a while, and I think Freddie Freeman's going to find a way to do that. So again, it's a small sample size. I like to say Memorial Day is kind of when I start to look at the standings. It's also when I like to take note of, hey, what are the trends for certain players and when are they going to get this thing going? But as you mentioned, I don't necessarily think that the reigning MVP is not going to get it going. I'm just curious as to when exactly it's going to happen, and I'm sure he'd like to start hitting so that people could stop focusing on every other little thing that could be the reason as to why he's not hitting.
1: Exactly. It's just a matter of when, not if.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it, and that will put a bow on our Freddie Freeman discussion, so we'll move down the lineup one spot to the Marcel Ozuna discussion. Uh, to me, he started showing some serious signs of a turnaround over the last two weeks, and I'll say why. He's hit safely in nine out of ten games, even though he's batting just below two hundred fifty over that stretch He's got three homers, he's got three doubles, he's knocked in 10 runs, he's scored six more, so he's in the midst of some run production there. But just five strikeouts and 45 plate appearances after the first 21 games where he was striking out about 25% of the time, less strikeouts, more hits, the extra base hits starting to show up. I think Marcelo Zuna is starting to feel himself a little bit at the plate, and that's a great thing for the Braves because his protection behind Freddie Freeman in the order can only be a good thing to get Freddie Freeman kickstarted a little bit and get his numbers heading in the right direction, too.
1: Yeah, we saw how devastating those two are together last season. You know, it came close to helping this team to the World Series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, I mean, Marcel was a guy who's smoking the ball. Um, now, you know, what, nine out of ten, you said. And yeah. He had the grand slam. I, I think he's certainly starting to find his groove. And, again, we knew it was a matter of time with a lot of these guys, and, and Marcel was one of them, so... We're looking at this team, and you continue to just go, you know, Freddie's not there and Ozuna's not there. And once those guys, if they can get there and they can get there together, then this conversation's going to be a lot different. So to see Marcel, you know, seem to really get into the swing of things now, uh, certainly encouraging.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. Going back into the four years before this year, just for Marcel Ozuna and getting an idea of what the Braves are probably expecting to get out of him, this is a guy that averages 30 home runs a year over 162 most certainly it's well over 30 home runs a year it can be a 100 rbi threat and is a guy that can hit 290 and on base about 350 he's going to slug over 500 it's the prototypical middle of the order bat that we always said needed to be behind freddie freeman and we prefer that he be right-handed ozuna he checks all those boxes for the braves so seeing him get going he's up to 20 runs knocked in now where it seemed like for a while gabe i don't know first couple of three weeks I was wondering, A, is Marcelo Zuna ever going to hit another homer? And B, when is this guy going to start knocking in runs? But slowly but surely, he's starting to pile up those RBI. And while that's not the most important statistic for a hitter, when you're batting third or fourth in the lineup, I really would like to see you getting those in bunches. And Marcel's starting to do that as well.
1: For sure. I mean, we make a big deal out of the start of the season for everybody, good and bad. And you know, Marcel didn't do much in the beginning, and now you're going to look at the end of the year. The guy's going to have 30-plus homers, 100-plus RBIs, and it's going to be exactly what you expected out of him.
0: Yeah, his exit velocity trending in the right direction now. It's not the usual when you pull up baseball savant. You see that he's in, like, the what, the 90th percentile as far as exit velocity is concerned. He's there just about every year. He was there last year as well. He's hit more fly balls this year, less line drives as well. So a similar trend for both he and Freeman. So maybe that's a little bit of, how they've been pitched so that pitchers can try to get them under the ball just a little bit more. And thus far, maybe the pitchers have been succeeding in this little game of chess. But if I know Freddie Freeman, and from what I've seen from Marcelo Zuna, they're going to figure out how to make the adjustment to the adjustments. And that is where you usually tend to find your sustained success in baseball. And for professional hitters like this, it's exactly what I'd expect to see over the course of 162 games.
1: Uh, you know, what's that tired cliche? It's a game of adjustments. Mm-hmm. That works for every sport, but certainly baseball.
0: It does. It may work the best for baseball. So Marcel Ozuna heating up a little bit. Freddie Freeman, we'll see what happens with him over the next week or so that they're gonna to get to play in front of the home crowd with the full ballpark. Maybe that'll give Freddie a jolt. Maybe it'll give the Braves in general a jolt and get them going offensively speaking. It'd be nice to put that road trip behind him coming home off a high note of winning three consecutive games in Washington and climb to within a game of five hundred. A couple of other notes before we get out of here. On the injury front, Ender Inciarte, along with Chris Martin, is out on a rehab assignment. They're both playing for Gwinnett. Ender was one for two on Thursday, played four innings in that game. Uh, Gabe, to me, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits when he returns, and I don't know if this really will factor much into the fact that Christian Pache is still trying to string together some hits. What's your read on where Ender fits when he can get back?
1: Well, I mean, it was honestly tough to really get his fit. In spring training, right? no doubt. Yeah, it was not an ideal situation. And when he returns, it's not going to be an ideal situation. So you just – he's going to be a guy on the bench who gets spot opportunities when he's back. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. I'm certainly Mm -hmm. not playing him over Pache. So that's really all you can say about it. He's just playing out his contract.
0: Yeah, he he is. And with Pache, I think the biggest question is, you know, when's his kid going to start getting some hits? It was great to see him, you know, explode back onto the scene – hit that grand slam in his return from the alternate side. But right now, 45 at bats for Pache, 21 punch-outs. As much as I want to keep running him out there, and I would at this point in the season, clearly when Guillermo Heredia was going, uh, the Braves didn't bother thinking twice about maybe riding the hot hand. But at that time, to me, it was more about the entire lineup wasn't clicking if they weren't named Ronald Acuna Jr. I think you can afford to have Pache kind of take his lumps and get his on-the-job experience, especially once austin riley started hitting and now we've seen austin riley by doing as much hitting as he was doing down in the seven spot he's moved into a middle of the order place gabe i think austin riley is prime to be hitting in the four or five spot in the lineup uh, what do you think of what austin riley's done the last two or three weeks and what he might mean to the braves moving forward as a power threat in the middle of that order
1: oh i agree it's been great for him uh, it's been great for the team to just see him start to find himself you know development takes time he got off to a bad start and you know we keep talking with him it's all about confidence and you can tell with him too it's really easy to see when he's feeling good he's confident he's rolling like you can just see it in him and that's kind of where he's been at so especially if he's going to keep this up and you yeah. you have a guy like that in the middle of your lineup for long term but for the sake of this season uh he's certainly trending in the right direction where he could do some damage and you start to look at the Braves lineup and you start to feel better about it. You yeah. know, we'll see with Pache. I know I just said I wouldn't play Ender over him. But, you know, if he continues to struggle, I could certainly see a scenario where the team just sends him back to AAA. That, right. I mean, they've already done it once. So, I mean, that's certainly on the table. But, uh, you know, that other than that center field spot, you know, we'll see about Dansby too. But there are some
0: positive trends with with this offense. Yeah, Dansby would certainly not be a positive trend. He's had a lot of trouble putting no. the bat on the ball this year and I know we've talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago on the show, so it's not really worth rehashing the topic, but not much has changed since then. He burned some sage and it looked good for about 48 hours, but that was a road trip to forget for him most certainly, but you know, he's been bumped down in the order with Austin Riley jumping up above him and even with Travis Darno coming out, you know, you will have William Contreras who will slide into you know, somewhere between that six and eight spot in the lineup, probably six or seven, uh, just based on the fact that Pache is not going to move out of the eighth spot anytime soon, I don't think. But the Austin Riley thing, to put a bow on that, a second on the team to Ronald Acuna Jr. in on base percentage and in OPS and a handful of other categories as well. And if you told me that the on base leaders for the Braves are going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. and Austin Riley as we turn the calendar to the month of May, I'd have some serious questions about how much time Freddie Freeman, Marcel Ozuna, Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, Travis Darno, and maybe two other guys were missing when it came to that. But on base machine Austin Riley, if he wants to be able to continue that trend, even if it's not three eighty six, three ninety at the end of the year, if he can put up a what a three sixty, three seventy on base, he's going to be a pretty useful hitter. And with his kind of power, I like giving him a chance to do some damage in the middle of the order.
1: Yeah, and if his you know when his production starts to level off, you know you're hoping that freddy's is trending up they yep. are hoping that Marcel's continues trending up and that things more than even out so again like it's been a really great sign for a guy that a lot of fans didn't know you know mm-hmm. they were really unsure about riley it's certainly you know everyone still is but he's he's doing really all he can to kind of ride right the ship and and show that his development is going in the right direction and and that's what you want to see it's easy to forget how little he's played it's easy yeah. to forget how young he is i mean these guys do take time not everybody is. Ronald Acuna or Fernando Tatis. So, uh, you know, to see him developing the way he is, uh, certainly the Braves uh, have to be feeling a little encouraged there.
0: Yeah, just in case you're curious, as of Thursday's game, Austin Riley has now officially played 162 games in the major leagues. Just if you're curious, 81 runs scored, 135 hits, 20 doubles, 29 homers, 83 RBI, and an OPS of just under 750 there's room for improvement there but just considering if you had a guy playing 162 games hitting you close to 30 homers driving in 80 runs and scoring 80 more and not even hitting in the middle of the order i would say all things considered i'd like to see what this guy might grow into so we'll see how austin riley continues he's gonna have some good weeks hot streaks some bad weeks and whatnot just like everybody will over 162 but as far as welcome developments in the 2021 season he's been on the short list along with i think waskari noah as perhaps the most exciting and most encouraging that you can find for the braves Uh, gabe i want to wrap up with this because i don't want to get out of here without talking about one of the best things that's happening in baseball in 2021 and that is the return of minor league baseball braves affiliates are in action as we talked about a few guys on rehab assignments but i'm very much looking forward to getting an eye on some of these prospects and getting out to some minor league baseball games and the braves have some exciting prospects to uh, to go take in a game if you're down anywhere in braves country at any of the ones that are uh, in the state of Georgia, or perhaps that Mississippi franchise, you can see a pretty good ball game just about every night with some of these Brave young players.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome for the communities. Uh, it's it's obviously awesome for every organization. It's great for the players that they're playing uh, real games again instead of just you know working out at alternate sites yeah. and and waiting you know waiting to figure out what their future holds and you know when are we actually going to be playing. It's just it's great for the sport to have this back. So it's just a big win for everybody. I think that certainly the Braves, we touched on this earlier, that they don't have this crazy system like they did coming into this era that, they've, that mm-hmm. they've kind of ushered in here with Acuna and everybody, but they do still have some really highly regarded guys kind of scattered throughout, and I think the number one guy who's really worth watching is Michael Harris. Yeah. You know, we talked about him in spring training. I mean, this is a guy who people really believe could be the, the franchise's number one prospect at some point in the not so distant future. So you're looking at a guy who's just a really exciting player who who could be up to Atlanta a lot quicker than you would expect. And you know, Kyle Muller, the development there is mm-hmm. you know, I think he walked a lot of people the other day. So I think that. You know, what are we going to see out of him? What can he become? You know, I've had a couple people mention uh, Von Grissom to me. Not a particularly big name at this stage, but a couple people have really mentioned uh, he's somebody worth watching. So there's certainly guys scattered throughout, and it's going to be really fun to just be able to kind of follow their progress and and really just talk about that aspect of the game again because that was sorely missed.
0: It'll be a lot of fun. Michael Harris came out of spring training with a ton of pub, and justifiably so. He really made the most of all the playing time he was getting for the Braves down in Grapefruit League play. He started the season with Rome, which is now the high A affiliate. So you might be wondering, oh, well, he he played in Rome in 2019. Why didn't they move him up? Well, technically they did because Rome is now high A as opposed (laughs) to low A. Low A affiliate, now the Augusta Green Jackets. And of course, double A Mississippi, triple A Gwinnett. And I think the guy that we've talked about him for years, but now with Michael Harris kind of emerging as an exciting outfield prospect, that's a big year for Drew Waters. It's a big opportunity for him to go down and consistently get back to work against opposing pitchers. Like you said, not this alternate site stuff, not glorified batting practice, sim games, scrimmage games, none of that stuff. Get back out there and compete again. I think Drew Waters has a motor that could really just lead him to Atlanta He could push his way into things sometime in the not too distant future if he's able to start putting up consistent numbers at Triple A Gwinnett, especially if you've got a little bit of a question mark out in center field right now, offensively speaking, where you may not have the answer to that question at the moment. It could open up the door of opportunity for another young Braves player and maybe Drew Waters is that guy. I don't know.
1: It could be. You know, it it is. It's a huge year for him as a what is he, you know, twenty two, whatever he is it's as big of a year as you could have without debuting in the majors i mean for him to show the Braves any progress he's made you know cutting down on the strikeouts will be big it's again you touched on the center field situation it's not i could see it i wouldn't deem it likely but later in the year if if he's rolling and and maybe there's an injury or they're still under performance and just you never know when there's opportunities the best thing that he can do is to position himself for those and you know, Michael Harris is getting all the pub right now, and I, I think that it's justifiable and he's going to keep trending upwards. But certainly for Waters, for his MLB future, and I know that some people think that he's kind of become a perfect trade ship now, and that might be the case. We haven't exactly seen this team deal guys of his caliber like that yet, but it's entirely possible. So it's just all around uh, just for his MLB future. It's a huge season for him
0: yeah switch hitting center fielder age 22 is drew waters just turned 22 right before the new year and if you look at michael harris he's just 20 years old so a couple of young players but in the case of waters and i think this is the same conversation we had with riley as we kind of wrap this up but we've been talking about these guys for so long that it feels like they've been around forever when in truth they really haven't even gotten into what might be their most formative years or where they finally start to hit their stride and make that big step and perhaps become a a great major league player at some point it takes time it's a different timetable because as you mentioned not everybody's going to be Fernando Tatis Jr. or Ronald Acuna Jr. or you know pick a guy Mike Trout even struggled a little bit when he came to the major leagues but now of course he's Mike Trout and I don't like to compare anybody to him because he's too damn good so be that as it may I had a great time talking about what's been going on with the Braves they are of course. At home, let's talk just briefly about what the Braves are going to be doing at home at Truist Park. They've got three against the Phillies, three more against the Blue Jays. They'll leave briefly to play in Milwaukee, and then the Braves come home for seven more games with three against the Mets and four against the Pirates. Gabe, this is something I've had circled on the calendar for a while. The Braves getting to play pretty much consistently at home for the better part of two weeks. This feels like a great time for this team to hit its stride.
1: Oh, it's the perfect time for them to turn it around. Some big games in there, too. Mm -hmm. First of all, we've mentioned it several times, but having the full stadium, the energy, this is a team that really feeds off its crowd. It does have a good home field advantage. There are, you know, teams like when the Cubs are good, when the Braves are good, the Dodgers, there are some teams that have some really top notch home field advantages in the National League. And so that should certainly help them. Uh, This Phillies series is big. You know, they've already seen the Phillies a lot. Considering where they are in the season, it's early May. Uh, there's not that many opportunities left against the Phillies when you consider how much they've already played them. So yeah. this is a big series. I think you said the Pirates are coming in on the mm-hmm. next homestand. I mean, they're abysmal. So that's an opportunity, certainly. And then uh, you play the Mets, and that's huge, obviously, because that's the team that a lot of people think is the one that's going to be in their way. So some really big games here. A great opportunity now. You're you're one game under 500. You have a large stretch of games here at home. This is really the best, I don't want to say the best chance, but this is a golden opportunity to really just right the ship, get back over 500, get in the swing of things, and, and start rolling from there because we've seen what this team does when it gets rolling.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and like I've said uh, the last few weeks, I feel like this team does have an, an extra gear or a stride that if they hit it and get everything going, the rest of the division, save maybe the Mets, and I say this out of respect for Jacob de Gram and the fact that Francisco Lindor is not going to hit 150 all year, they're going to figure some things out up there i feel like but you can't overlook the phillies they're the team sitting at the top of the division and the braves are going to crack at them this weekend a little revenge against the blue jays maybe first look at the mets and as, Gabe, as you said you got to beat up on a team like the pirates they've been maybe a little bit better than people thought this year but i don't think that that's going to last forever all the way into the summer so opportunity for the braves as they play at home for the better part of the next two weeks and gabe as always i appreciate your time in sizing up what's been going on with the braves what's happening right now and a little bit of what's happening over the next week or two and i look forward to doing it again soon absolutely always glad to chat and my thanks again to gabe burns of the atlanta journal constitution for making some time to talk braves this week make sure you follow him on twitter at gabe burns HAC. as always i'll remind you you can find from the diamond on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and stitcher leave those ratings and reviews be sure to share the show with a friend if you like what you're hearing each week with our braves talk on Twitter, I am at Grant McCauley. The show is at From The Diamond underscore. On Instagram, I am at Grant McCauley there. And the show is at From The Diamond. And you can find every episode of From the Diamond, as well as videos and articles and anything else that I'm throwing out there on FromTheDiamond.com. That'll wrap us up for this episode of the show. Thanks as always to Gabe Burns for making time to talk about what's going on with the Braves. And my thanks as always to you out there for making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen. That'll do it for this week, but I look forward to catching you all again next time right here on From the Diamond. Until then, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone.